Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us here this evening to look into your word, to learn from you. Lord, I just pray that your people are edified, that your name is glorified. Use this time to, to strengthen us, to worship you, Lord. In the name of Christ. And we're still in our, what's called the Ordo Salutis, which is just the order of salvation. <clears throat> we've been through election, which we've, we've seen from, uh, there's so many texts on that, but just to mention one, Ephesians 1, 4, we'll be kind of right around there today too. Uh, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that this election took place before the foundation of the world, we see the outward call which is the preaching of the gospel, that God, He elects His people, then He sends forth preachers to preach the gospel to them. And then we have the inward call, which is regeneration, which is where we're made alive. Um, us hu humans are born spiritually dead and cannot respond favorably to the gospel call. So when the preacher is preaching the gospel, he's preaching to a dead person, and unless the Spirit makes him alive, he will never believe the gospel. So we have the election, outward call, inward call, then we have conversion, which is faith and repentance. When, you're, when you believe upon the Lord, you repent of your sins, and then you're justified. Uh, and justification was the last step that we saw, and that's where we stand just before God, perfectly just before God. Not because of our works, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Christ has done and we trust Christ for our salvation. So we stand just and righteous um, in the courtroom of God. And then now this week, we're going to be looking at one, uh, the part of the Ordo Salutis that's actually overlooked some. Uh, I'm not really sure why it's overlooked and I find it a blessing to know the truth on this. And it's the, the truth that's called adoption. So you have justification, then adoption. And if you if you were to Google Ordo Salutis, you, you would see for Google first Google Reformed Ordo Salutis, you would see most of them are uh, all these steps are the same, but sometimes they leave out adoption. So, but not only are we justified after conversion, we're adopted. Uh, we are made the children of God, and this doctrine. It's very simple, and it shouldn't be long here tonight, but it's very simple, and we probably already understand it, but it, that wasn't always the case. Um, obviously, when the writers of the Scriptures were writing, the New Testament was written, I think, I believe, all of it before 70 AD. Um, their worldview was a little different than our worldview in America today, right? They, they, they believe different things than what we believe. But in the ancient Jewish world, adoption wasn't really a thing. So when Paul's writing to these, these churches to, and writing to the Jews and, and, and they, were, they were talking about adoption, it wasn't really a thing in the Jewish world. They were big on genealogies um, and the firstborn son being the rightful heir. So they, they had their genealogies. We can see this in Matthew and Luke. You can go back to Numbers, you can see all the genealogies. And it was there, so the firstborn son was the rightful heir. Um, this is why when the husband died, y'all probably know this, when the husband died, um, if he never had a son, the husband's brother was to marry the wife so they could have a son, so they had a rightful heir. Um, 
So that was the firstborn was the big concept in Judaism. Now, this is not to say that there were adoptions never happened, but it wasn't really part of their ideology. Um, in the ancient Roman culture, adoption took place, but it was merely for inheritance purposes. Uh, your whole inheritance would go to your son. So, if you had no son, you could adopt one to make sure your inheritance was forwarded. And in some cases, they had sons, but they didn't want to leave the inheritance to that son, so they adopted another one so they could leave the inheritance to that, to that son. But now, now, now let's see what the, the biblical form of adoption is. Now let's start with some verses on this. Let's turn to Ephesians 1, as I just quoted there. Um, but in verse 5, Ephesians 1, 5. This is Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus. He writes, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, I believe, and I think certain translations would, would agree with this, in love, the last two words in verse 4, I believe they should be in verse 5. Um, Many translations actually have a period. You, you, if you're looking at maybe an ESV or NASB, there would probably be a period where it's after the word him, making in love part of this sentence. Because it, it, it's in love having predestinated us unto the adoption. So this is an outflow of the love of God. Uh, this simply, it wasn't simply to carry on a family name or to give it inheritance to but it flows out of the love of God. Now you get those other things, right? You get, you, you, you're named after Christ, right? Christian. And you get the inheritance, but it flows out of the love of God. God adopts us because he loves us. That's the reason. Now notice it says the cause of our adoption in this too. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. God doesn't just adopt everyone. God doesn't just whimsically adopt. God adopts by Jesus Christ. He's the cause of our adoption. Remember John 1, 11 and 12, where he says, where he came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, as many as believed on his name. To, to as many as received Christ, they become the sons or children of God. When it says sons, the word can be translated children there too. So it isn't, I say that to not, uh, to make sure we include daughters too. But to as many as received Christ, they become the children of God. No more, no less. Our adoption happens because of the person and work of Christ. Not because we are put on display and God just chose which one seems favorable to him? We see this in our current age, right? Of adoption. When you're searching, it's almost like grocery shopping for, to adopt a child. He adopts those he chose from eternity past. 
And those he chose, he chose before they were born or before they had done any good or evil. Because the adoption is not about how great you are. It's not about how you look. It's about the love, mercy, and grace of our Lord. And that's only found in Christ Jesus. So that's, that's where the cause of our adoption is. And, uh, I didn't mention it from the very beginning. I don't have three points, but I have three trains of thought going into this. The second train of thought here is, um, I'm changing the train of thought here. So, you know, by understanding this doctrine, we can have assurance of salvation. Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose from the grave for you. If you're adopted into the family of God. And by him and his works, you have been adopted into his family. Therefore, nothing can change that lineage. If you're in God's family, you're in there forever. But what about when I disobey? What about when my kids disobey? They don't become your children. Sometimes. What about when we disobey? Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, 5. It says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he which the Father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For verily, for a few days chastened us after his own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. What happens when I disobey as a child of God? Whom the Lord loves, He chastens. And there are some that do not receive chastisement, right? That's what the text says. So what does this tell us about those? That they are not the children of God. They have not been adopted into the family of God. But notice what else. If we disobey, we receive chastisement, but it doesn't have a bitter end. In verse 11 where it says, Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So if you are adopted into the family of God and part of the family of God, you can never not be part of His family. The blood of Jesus Christ paid for your adoption. Now let's see one more aspect of this. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I've already went through this, obviously. Romans 
We've been through this on our Sunday mornings. Romans 8.12 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit brings us into this adoption. How does He do this? By His ministry. His ministry is to convert souls and cause them to look upon Christ. Last night we was in a Bible study and one of the guys there, he's, he's sound, but he said um, he introduced somebody else that was at the Bible study to his brother, I think brother or brother-in-law, and he said his brother who happens to be a pastor said, he's trying to convert me. And uh, I said, did you tell him that it's not your job to convert anybody. Because that's not our job, right? Even when we go out this Saturday and, and witness to people, it's not our job to convert people. Our job is to preach the truth. That's the Holy Spirit's job is to co convert people. You just speak forth the truth. So that's His ministry. His ministry, this is a, a, another side note. This is one of the reasons we don't do altar calls. I don't come you up. Come, come up here and bow down and pray and do all this stuff. I see that hand raised. We don't do any of that stuff. You know why? Because that's not my ministry. That's the Holy Spirit's ministry. I went to a church service. I'll get way off my notes. I better be careful. I went to a church service a few years back, and the whole service was an altar call. The whole thing. Multiple times. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. And I'm sitting there thinking, and I, I think I told Amanda, I, I wanted to walk out of the service. But it's like his whole service was him placing himself into the ministry of the Holy Spirit and trying to be the Holy Spirit. And that's not what we're called to do as preachers. I'm called to give forth the Word of God and the Spirit's ministry is to convert. And he causes them to look upon Christ. He regenerates the elect. See, we preach to him, right? We preach, and the Spirit regenerates the elect, and He gives them faith and repentance, so they are converted, justified, and adopted. It's by the Spirit, that's what it says right here, it's by the Spirit that we can cry out, Abba, Father. And we cry that out because we are His children. Let me bring this last thing out for the text here. Notice, it says... In verse 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. It must be given to be received. You don't just adopt yourself into the family of God. Just like today, if you wanted to adopt a child, children don't adopt themselves into your family, right? You must go adopt them. God does the adopting. It's received by us. So, God must adopt you. And you. it says you did not receive the spirit of bondage or slavery back into fear. How many of us could say amen to that? 
He's adopted us out of fear. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, I think it is, it says, our whole life we're in bondage by fear of death. I can say I know that feeling, right? When Before I was converted, when I saw death as the ultimate end, I had a fear of death. But God has taken me, he has, he has not given me a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. He's adopted us out of fear and how? Because perfect love casts out fear. Isn't that what it says? Was the first John, perfect love casts out fear. Does God not have a perfect love? When he's adopted you in love, predestinated you unto this adoption, it's because of God's love he has adopted us and cast out fear. So let me close with this. Remember the picture of the Jews about adoption was lacking because it was about genealogy. It was about being a son. It was just about being the son. They, they, there was, they, had a, they didn't really have a view on adoption. And the picture of the Romans was that of adoption to gain an inheritance. That was it. God does both to his people. To as many as received him, they became sons. That's what the word says. You are truly a son or a daughter of God, born again into his family, right? This is what we preach. You must be born again. Born again into his family. But you are also adopted into his family and gain the inheritance. If you look at verse 17 there in that same chapter in Romans, it says, And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. <laughs> We are called heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. This idea of an, of an heir is the idea of having the inheritance. That's who the inheritance goes to is the heir. And we are that. So you are now truly the children of God by adoption. And he will never do away with his children. He will love them with an everlasting love. And sometimes that's displayed in chastisement. But the fruit of chastisement is the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So we can rest in Him. He keeps His children, and He loves them, and He blesses them beyond measure. So we, like David, can say, My cup runs over. Amen.